This is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs on Sports Radio 810 WHB. What I've done is help athletes be the best they can be. We work on giving you that winning edge, that mental edge that will help you realize your potential. Dr. Jacobs has been in practice for over 30 years as a sports psychologist. This is the first time I've ever listened to it. I'm on my way to church and I said, I got to pull over and talk. Right now is your chance to call Dr. Jacobs for free help with any sports related problem. It's a wonderful form and I, I must be a radio for me every time I, I'm in the camp city. And this show is about you, it's about having fun working hard, building self-confidence, having the right attitude, being a good teammate, being a good parent, and being a good coach. Now, here's the sports psychologist, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Good morning, everyone. I'm sports psychologist, Dr. Andrew Jacobs, and along with my producer, Josh Briscoe, we are here every Sunday morning from 7 to 8 a.m. here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. I've been here for the last 16 years and been on the radio in Kansas City now for the last 26 years was like to say this show is one of the best kept secrets in town because we talk about you on this show. We don't report statistics and facts. We talk about you. We talk about the mental side of sports on this show. We talk about what it takes to be successful, to win, to lose, to fail. These are issues we talk about every week on this show. And I look forward to being here every Sunday morning because I get to take your phone calls and talk about the mental side of sports. I have been a sports psychologist for 36 years. I've been doing this about as long as anybody in the country. And I love what I do because I'm working with mindsets. I'm working with attitudes. I'm working with confidence and focus and mental preparation. We talk about all the things that go on mentally to help you be the best you can be. And uh, if you listen to the beginning of our show there at the promo, you know, we have our book, Just Let Him Play, that I co-wrote with Jeff Montgomery and Pete Malone, along with our writer, Matt Folks. There's a chapter by Dr. Steve Joyce all about sports injuries. And I like to get into the whole world of youth sports because I think it's a messed up area from a lot of perspectives. It's a tremendous area from a lot of perspectives, but there are so many issues in the world of youth sports today, and we talk about them on this show. You know, I try to come up with topics every week that I think will be beneficial to everybody, that we can get some positive stuff going from and there's so many things going on in sports every week that make me think of course Wimbledon's going on right now the Wimbledon finals happening with Roger Federer playing Venus Williams lost in the finals yesterday he had the all-star game this week the home run derby which was maybe one of the most exciting home run derbies I've ever seen Um, the Royals have now lost five in a row after coming back from the dead although they're still right there, only, what, three and a half games out of first place. But when you look at all these things and you try to evaluate, how do you win? Because, you know, people play sports to win. A lot of people play sports for the experience, but a lot of people play to win. It comes down to the mental side. And in the end... I always like to say, and I came up with this quote years ago, you can have two athletes who are physically the same, but the one with a stronger mind will be the one who will come out on top. So how important is the mindset? How important is the mental side of sports? And that's what I want to get into today. You know, I try to come up with topics that I think will be of interest to you, our listeners, and will stimulate discussions with me about our topic. And as I was thinking this week about what to talk about, what we should get into, I thought I'd be sort of generic from that perspective about just 
the mental side. It, it's interesting as I as I continue to meet people and work with new people and talk with new people all the time in life in general. You know, attitudes and mindsets and beliefs and perspectives have such a key role in who we are. And in the world of sports, it's it's funny how there are so many people out there who believe in the psychological side of sports and have sports psychologists working with them, and yet there are a lot of people out there who think it's a bunch of BS and don't want anybody in my profession around. And I've encountered this from a lot of people throughout my 36 years working from both sides, professionally, amateur-wise, collegiately, from the high school perspective and the youth sports perspective. A lot of people just assume that the mental side is going to take its toll. They don't want people working with their athletes. A lot of coaches are scared of sports psychologists. Lots of people in the sports profession are. They don't want people messing with the athletes' minds. I don't look at it as messing with their minds. I look at it as helping them. But the mental side, really, in the end, is what it comes down to. Because if you don't have that belief in yourself, if you don't have the ability to mentally get yourself in the right place and to deal with negativity, failure, and positivity and success, it will be a short-lived career. This past couple weeks, I have been going through things in my house, trying to get rid of a lot of things in my house, and I started looking at an album I put together back in the 1960s and 70s when I was 11, 12, 13, 14 years of age, and I've mentioned it several times. My great-uncle, Hearst Jacobs, died in 1970, and when he died, he was the winningest trainer in horse racing history. He'd won 3,596 races at his death and had never won a triple crown race, though. And ironically, that year, this horse that he had bred to become his dream horse, a horse named Personality, won the Preakness, and another horse named High Echelon won the Belmont, trained by my cousin John Jacobs. And I've been redoing this album, putting it back together, and I found an article that I think has had a lot to do with why I became who I am. My, my uncle had a huge influence on me. Horse racing is an exciting profession. It was fun to go back and spend time with him in New York and Miami, as I did when I was a youngster and growing up. And there's an article all about how he became a very good trainer. And one of the things that's said in there, he would, he would buy horses who are broken down horses, and he would find a way to fix them, to heal them, to get them to race. And he bought a claimed a horse named Stymie. If you don't know much about horse racing, there are races called claiming races where horses basically run in the race and they're available to be bought after the race. And so he claimed this horse named Stymie for $1,500 in the early 1930s. When Stymie retired, he'd won over $918,000. And that's in the 1930s and 40s. So think about what that would be now. And Stymie was sort of a broken down horse when he got him, but by the time he was done racing, he'd raced over, I think it was 130 times and finished in the money almost 100 times in the top three spots. And in this article, I talked to my uncle about horses' minds and their attitudes. 
and how you have to deal with their personalities. And if you can understand them and deal with their personalities, they will succeed. And as I reread this article for the first time in probably, gosh, 40-something years, it made me realize that's why I do this. Because, you know, I like to say you can have two athletes who are physically the same, but the one with a stronger mind will, be, will come out on top because it's true. If you are mentally more prepared, if you are mentally more focused, if you have a better attitude, you have a heck of a lot better chance of succeeding. It doesn't mean you will. It doesn't mean you're going to win the game or win the match or win the race. But it may mean you will have given it the best effort you could that day. But it will also mean you will learn from when you fail. Because no matter what we do, and we talked about it last week on this show, you will fail. So today I want to get into how do you coach the mental side of sports? If you are a coach, how much of a role, how much importance do you play on the psychological side, on attitudes, on focus, on mindsets? How important is it for you as a coach to coach it? As an athlete, how important is your mindset when you're competing, when you're, when you're playing, when you're, when you're in your game? Do you think it is, in the end, the most important part? You know, you can learn technique, you can learn skills, you can learn abilities, but you have to acquire and develop the right mindset as well. And it's hard. It's hard because sports is about so many different things. You know, I have all these young athletes that come into my office now, and it's, it's interesting how in the last 10 years, I'm starting to see so many younger athletes, 8, 9, and 10 years of age, who've got these issues with their attitudes about losing and about failing and about letting people down, their parents down, their coaches down. And to me, it's ridiculous that we've gotten to this point, and it's from the pressure to win the pressure to have to win instead of the focus on going out and playing and having fun. So I want to open up our phone lines. It's early in the show, but I'd like to get some calls in here and get your perspective. How important of a role does the mental side of sports play for you as an athlete, as a coach, as a competitor? Our number is 913-3810-810. I've had the privilege in my 36 years of work to have been a team psychologist for the Olympic team, for professional teams, college teams. I work with athletes at all ages. And I think in the end, if your mindset is in the right place, you have a much, 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 much greater chance to succeed. And I see so many people who do not get it, who do not understand that. They think it's about being tough. They think it's about being strong. Hey, I'm a tough guy. I can do it. Well, you know what? Pressure and stress affect us all. You can be the strongest guy on the team. You can be the biggest guy on the team. But if your mind isn't there, it ain't going to last. It ain't going to work. All right, our number is 913-3810-810. How important of a role does the mental side of sports play? How do you coach it? And what do you think? I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Give me a call and let's talk. We have our first call of the morning. Let's talk to Tim. Tim, good morning, sir. How are you? Thanks for calling in. Dr. Jacobs. For years well thank uh, you love calling in seems like the only time i seem to call in anymore is when i play golf early in the morning but uh that's okay um well there's no there's no mental side with golf tim now come on 
No, uh-uh, no, not at all. Now it's all about me, right? So all these years I coached and uh, had a lot of success, and it was about those players, and it was it was definitely about inspiring them to uh, to be better than they've ever been, and then learning from that. But but it's, you got to learn to lose too. So I can give you an example of you know I won eight eight state championships as a baseball coach, but the two that I remember the most were the teams that were uh nine and 22 going into the state tournament and we won the whole thing because and why is that tim we were preparing ourselves for success and you have to prepare your, yourself for success by learning how to fail and uh and those kids were it's about those kids and you know so many coaches today make all these promises about you know making these kids something that they really aren't when the kids are going to be the ones who make themselves into what they are. And you got to let them do it. And you know, well, you know why that is, Tim? In my opinion, that happens because the coaches' egos get in the way. Well, I agree. I mean, it's not about, you know, it's never about you as a coach. It can't be. It's kind of like an umpire in a game, right, Andrew? You know, if he's too visible in the game, then he's making too much of a difference in the game. And I believe if a coach is too visible in the game, then he's not doing his job. Well, a coach and, a coach needs to check his or her ego at the door. That's what I always say. And I think if you do that, and obviously you've done that based on what you're telling us because you've been successful. It's not about you. It's about the kids you're coaching. Well, you prepare them, right? I mean, practice is practice, and then you let them go play. And you see what the results are. And, you know, it's interesting. They will figure it out. They will figure out that they hate losing way more than they love winning sometimes, and that motivates them. Or, you know, when they start to come together, it's you just sit back as a coach and you just start watching them all start coming together. And, and, uh, and that's really the gratifying part of it for me. And I got out of it because it became about something way bigger than that. And I got out. And so what was it? What, what's that way bigger, Tim, that it, it became? The, the egos of the parents, the drive to succeed, the necessity to win. There's just, uh, that's not what it's all about. And, you, you know, I don't have to be paid $50 an hour to train your kid to, to make you believe he's going to be successful. He'll be successful on his own if you give him a chance to be. Well, that's why I always suggest to coaches you bring a bag of Tootsie Pops and hand them out to the parents before the game and say, suck on this and let me coach. Yeah, that's it. Listen, right, sir, thank you, you so much for calling in. Great points this morning. I appreciate it. And thanks, thanks for listening. I appreciate that a lot. Take care. All right, let's go next to Matt. Matt, good morning. How are you this morning? Hey, hi. How are you doing, Bob? Great. Good thank you. For... I love your show. Every time I'm in the area, all these years, you are absolutely phenomenal. I think you need to go national. But uh... Well, I appreciate I'm trying to do that. I actually have a podcast show we have going. These shows are podcasted as well. So, you know, if you type my name in on uh, – the internet, you can find this show and in the, in the pod that are podcasted on there, so you can listen to it. But I, I appreciate that. I, I I've been doing this for a long time. I think it is an important topic. There aren't really any that many other people doing this on the radio, especially. And uh, I think people need to hear this show because too many kids are getting screwed up because of egos of adults. It's it's so refreshing to hear your show and all the people support banter that have some solid uh, basis uh, 
of good information from your show uh, to hear. It's well, thank you, and and I don't know you, so right. So uh, I have a I have a comment, but I just want to I don't get a chance to listen to you often, so I just want to put that out there. But um, what I'm going to tell you is your question about you know the mental aspect how important it is. I have a special needs child who uh, can't really compete in sports, but has been involved as a manager for various you know high school softball team and now a college team and has participated uh, you know through a miracle league baseball i don't know if you know what that is no construct a miracle league baseball team out here in mid-missouri and i coach that play on that and for special needs kids and many part of that program is we bring in other kids to be what we call baseball buddies or volunteers for that league and typically they are these kids are in youth uh, leagues the high school kids or the college kids, and they will come out in droves for this because it grind, it, it, they get to see the purity of the sport. They're in such a highly competitive, intense environment with the coaches or the parents or whatever, and they get to just see these kids out there on the field purely enjoying the game because they've got a uniform on and they can go out on the field and they can play. And I can't tell you how many times these, these uh, kids that come out and volunteer um, – come up and say, wow, I forgot what sports is all about. I forgot what it really is at its essence. And um, it's amazing. I think sometimes everyone's not the same, but I think a lot of part of it is sometimes you have to go back to the basics. Why are you playing a sport? You want to win. You want to compete. You want to be the best you can be. But at the end of the day, the purity of it is, is that you're competing in competition to challenge yourself yourself as a team sport or individually. And, uh, and you've got to have that grounded base in why you're doing it, the relationship, you need to the enjoyment of it. Never let, the, never let the pressure exceed the pleasure. I love Joe Madden. Phenomenal dude. Um, huge Cup fan. And, uh, and I think that's where you go a lot with your stuff. So, uh, well, I appreciate that. And, and, I, and obviously we're, we're in agreement here. But, you know, it's amazing to me um, how many coaches – don't buy into this because their egos are so big. I've dealt with coaches like this before who, you know, I've dealt with coaches who can never get enough of the mental side of sports. I mean, a great, a, a coach that I'll tell you that I love is Rusty Koontz. I've, I got to know Rusty working with the Royals. Rusty and I would sit and talk all the time about the mental side. Another guy was Steve Foster, who's now the pitching coach for the Colorado Rockies when he was here. Fosty and I would sit and talk for hours about mindsets. And there are a lot of guys out there who believe it. I, I know a lot of people don't care for Trey Hillman. I love Trey Hillman. Trey Hillman got it. He understood how important mindsets are. And there are a lot of people out there. John Wathan's another guy when I worked with the Royals back, back in 1990. Okay. There are people who get it. Then there are people who don't. Okay. And yeah. to me, it starts with, it, it's not about you. It's about how you direct, especially in the world of youth sports, how you direct kids and how you give them incentives, and how you teach them to learn, right? I mean, that's what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. I cannot concur with you. I may be said opposite, but pressure should never be the pleasure. But you're right. You've got to be grounded, and some of these coaches absolutely get it, and um, some don't. And uh, some parents get it. Some parents don't get it. And, uh, you know, my parents gave me all the opportunities to play sports, but, you know, they didn't even go to my games half the time my parents did. I just didn't have to feel bad they didn't go. <laughs> Nowadays, I know these parents that they feel like they are so guilty if they don't go to every game that kids summer games. I just, well, I I, you know, I'll tell you, my sons are now 27 and 26, 
And they both played baseball. They both played soccer. They both played basketball. <coughs> Excuse me. My younger son, Gregory, became a swimmer by about uh, fifth grade, fourth, fifth grade. That's, that's where he went. Jonathan, my older son, loved basketball and baseball and soccer. Um, I did not go to every game they played. I went to most of them, but I wasn't at everything. And they knew if I wasn't there, it didn't matter. I still loved them. I still cared about them. I know parents, it's like, I can't miss a game because they're attaching so much about their ego into their kids. And and it's I loved going to my kids' games. But I also thought it was important to not be at every one all the time so that they could become more dependent on themselves. You know, and in the end, that's what it comes down to. Matt, I want to thank you for your call, sir. Great points this morning. All right, that frees up our lines here at 913-3810-810. Our topic is this. How important is the mental side of sports? As an athlete, as a coach, how important of a role do you place on the psychological aspect of sports? Do you coach it as a coach? Do you coach mindsets? And as a coach, what do you do when you have an athlete who is not, and I repeat, not positive, not in a good place, mentally not there? Do you ignore them? Do you avoid them? Do you get angry at them or do you try to work with them? What do you do when you have an athlete who's got a bad mindset? And what do you do when, you know, along those lines, if your team or your athlete is slumping, they're not in a positive place, how do you get them to get there? Our number is 913-3810-810. Two great calls we've had so far. I want to get some more calls in here and see what you think. If you're a coach, do you coach psychology? Do you coach the mental part? As an athlete, how important do you feel the mental part is? You know, Venus Williams lost the Wimbledon final yesterday. She lost the first set 7-5. She lost the second set 6-0. How do you do that? How do you be so close and then have that happen? Well, being an athlete who played tennis my whole life, growing up that was my sport, it can take one or two things here or there, and then mentally you can lose it. It's so easy to have that happen. So I want to hear from you. Got a wide-open phone board now. Let's get some calls in here. If you are a coach... How do you coach the psychological side of sports? How important of a role do you place on mentalities? You know, sports talk radio talks about this all the time. It talks about attitudes and mindsets. And it talks about how important it is. But how do we coach it? All right, 913-3810-810 is the number. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. We're on the leader in sports, Sports Radio 810 WHBR. Numbers 913-3810-810. Give me a call and let's talk. If you're listening to this, chances are you're one of thousands of people involved in some way with youth sports in the Kansas City area. I'm Royals Hall of Famer Jeff Montgomery, and along with renowned sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs and Hall of Fame swimming coach Peter Malone, we've worked to provide answers to your questions by drawing on our own experiences in our new book, Just Let Him Play, guiding parents, coaches, and athletes through youth sports. Look for it locally at Kansas Sampler, Rally House, or your favorite bookstore, and online at Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com.
Good morning, everybody. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, and we're on the leader in sports, Sports Radio 810 WHB. I'm here every Sunday from 7 to 8 a.m., and we talk about mindsets on this show. I've been here for the last 16 years, been on the radio in Kansas City now for 26 straight years, and been working as a sports psychologist for 36 years, doing this about as long as anybody in the country. And I look forward to this show each week as I try to bring up a topic that I think is relevant for you as a sports fan, as a coach, as an athlete, as a participant. Today we're talking about the role mindsets play. Sort of a non-materialistic type of topic, something you can't really grasp. You can't measure mindsets, although there are people who think they can. And I'm asking you as a coach, as an athlete, how important is the mental part for you? How important is the mindset for you? We're going to go back to the phones here and talk to Mark in a moment as our first caller on, online. Our number is 913-3810-810. And I want to hear from you as a coach how you coach the psychological part. Or do you avoid it and ignore it because you don't know what to do? What do you do when an athlete or your team is slumping? There are people who get directly involved. There are people who don't say anything. How do you handle it? I say you do the same thing you do when you're winning. You're even keeled. That's what a successful coach does. I had the privilege of meeting one of the Chiefs assistant coaches this spring, and we spent a couple hours one day at lunch talking. And I've never met Andy Reid. I'd love to meet him and talk to him. And he said, Doc, he said, you would love Coach Reid because he deals with these things the way you do. He doesn't get high. He doesn't get low. He doesn't berate players. He talks to them as people. And he said that's why he's so successful. Because he treats people as people. All right, 913 3810 is the number. Let's see what Mark has to say. Mark, thanks for holding on. How are you this morning? Very good, Doc. How are you doing today? Great. Get your thoughts on our topic today. Well, I've been waiting for somebody to bring this topic up for a long time. I, I, I'm a volunteer coach in many sports, and I also officiate. And the one thing I've talked to you about over the last five years with everybody is the mindset of the knowledge of learning the game. And over the last 10 years, everybody's worried about athletic ability and not knowledge of the game. And when the kids learn the knowledge of the game, they are so much better of a player because they're always thinking ahead. And you can be a lesser athlete, but if you know the game, you can compete against those really good athletes. Great point, Mark. I had a meeting with Peter Vermees a couple years ago, who I admire tremendously. He's a very, very successful coach and, and was as a player, but he gets it. And he, he said, Doc, there are four components to being a successful athlete. There's the physical part, obviously. There's the technical part, the tactical part, and the mental part. And you need to have all four if you're going to succeed. And, I, and it sounds like that's what you're, you're pointing out as well. Exactly. And, and, you know, you talk about egos. I, co- I coach and officiate, I say, I umpired a baseball game the other night with 12-year-old kids. Two very competitive teams. Let me, let me stop you right here. Did any parent yell at you during that game? Not one parent. That's good. Not at all. Why? Here's what, here's what amazed me about the coaching is at 12 years old, they were throwing 30 to 35% curveballs because those coaches know those kids at 12 years old can't hit curveballs. Well, and isn't it isn't it proven that kids that age probably shouldn't be throwing curveballs? Never, never. I mean, I coach 14 year old Doc. 
we we maybe throw two a game. Yeah, well, because why are they throwing curveballs at twelve? Yes. Why? Because because what's what's the what's the goal? To to win. Yeah, and not you know if 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 those people read our book, just let them play. We have a chapter in there by Doctor Steve Joyce, who is the Royals orthopedic surgeon for over thirty years, and Steve talks about that. Yeah. No kid should be throwing curveballs. That is no reason for it. But it's the winning. It's the and you know what. Mark, you're going to see 10-year-olds throwing curveballs pretty soon. Yes, you are. Right? We, we do already, Doc. Okay, so you're uh, – let me let me ask this because I'm really glad you've called. As an umpire, how often do you get yelled at in Every a derogatory day. way? Every day. Why? Uh, because they think we are cheating their team. And you are. Of course you are, right? You, you, exactly. You, yeah. Exactly. And, Doc, it's a great point. That's why we can't get younger kids – to umpire. Well, that's, the younger a, that's generation, sad. And, and you know this. The younger generation don't have the thick skin and the strong mind to be able to work through that. Well, you know, I, I have talked. I've been, obviously been here for 16 years, and I've talked forever on this show about if you're coaching, you should umpire. If your kid is playing a sport, you should officiate. And if you do, what does that do for the mark? It, Doc, it, it, it's crazy that you say this because I've told every organization that I've officiated with, every coach in every youth league should have to officiate four games. I think that's a great thing. That's fantastic. And the Before reason for that, and the reason is, tell everybody why. Because, and I was one of them, I will admit, Doc, when I was coaching my son's 15 years ago, I was kind of that parent that was competitive and wanted to win, win, win. The very first game I officiated, my mind changed so fast. I went back to coaching, and I never did it again. I never yelled. I sat down. I just coached. And you're a much better coach when you just coach. Well, I know when my my younger son swam, Gregory swam for the Kansas City Blazers, grew up in that organization, and, of course, my Co-author, one of my two co-authors, Pete Malone, along with Jeff Montgomery, founded the Blazers and made them the top premier t- swim team in the country until he retired. Yep. Pete had all the parents have to be timers, have to be official, have to get involved. And yep. it was a great thing to do because I wanted to do it. I wanted to be a timer because you could see the pressures these kids faced. And, and, of course, doing what I do as a sports psychologist, it opened my eyes to a lot of things because I work with a lot of these kids, but but it makes you aware of what's going on. And it, it's amazing to me how few people out there get it. And, uh, you know, Mark, I want to thank you for umpiring because it's a thankless job. You know, anybody who's an official referee and umpire, if, if you're not talked about after the game, that's a good thing. Correct? Exactly. Exactly. And, and what we I tell parents that are friends of mine, you guys, after the game, talk about us. We talk about you psycho coaches and you psycho parents also. Yeah, well, that's why we wrote our book, Mark. And uh, Good for you. I'd encourage you to encourage people to get it because if they do, I think it will open their eyes up to what we're talking about here. Sir, thank you for calling hey, thank in. You. But also, thanks, thanks for being an umpire because it, it is a thankless job, and you guys do a heck of a, heck of a job out there. And like I said, if nobody talks about you, that's a good thing, but – I want to thank you, and thanks for calling in. Anytime. Have a great day. Thanks. All right, that frees up our lines now at 913. That was a great call. 
888-3810-810. As a coach, how do you coach mindsets? Do you coach psychology? Do you coach attitude? Or do you think it's a bunch of bunk? I know there are people out there who don't believe in it. They think, you know what, your attitude is what it is. You don't coach it. If you don't have a good attitude, you're not playing for me. Well, why would you do that? There are a lot of people out there who believe that way. So I want to hear from if you're a coach. How do you coach your team psychologically? What psychological tactics do you use? And what do you do when you have an athlete who is not being very positive, who is down in the dumps, who is in a slump, who isn't playing well? How do you get them to overcome that? You know, we are all reflections of three things. The way we were raised, our genetics, and the environment we're in now. And I have found through my 36 years of work as a sports psychologist that, you know, it, it, it's like when I sit down and talk to people, especially young athletes, you can see the influence that their mentors, their parents, their coaches, their teachers have on them. You can see the influence that the people they play with have on them. And I'm seeing younger and younger athletes today having trouble dealing with this winning stuff. It's ridiculous. And it's getting worse because parents' egos and coaches' egos get involved. So I want to hear from you. We have The first time in the show we haven't had anybody online, no callers online. So give me a call here, 913-3810-810. If you are a coach, how do you coach the mental part of sports? Do you coach it? Do you avoid it? Do you ignore it? Like I said, the years I worked with the Royals, I got to know Rusty Kuntz. I mentioned this before very well. Rusty is one of the best coaches I've ever been around because he, first of all, he played and gets it and understands it, but he, he, he is a good psychological coach because he tries to understand the mental part of the athlete and tries to work with him on that. Now, we all know Alex Gordon is not hitting well. Alex Gordon's the best defensive left fielder in baseball. And a lot of that's because of the way Rusty coached him and, and worked with him and made the transition from third base to left field. I, I am a huge Alex Gordon fan, and I still believe in him and feel he's going to come out of this hitting slump that he's been in because I just happen to believe that. No one works harder than him. No one puts in more hours than him. And he's got the right attitude. But Rusty, because I would spend time with Rusty with players, and he would take the time to understand them as a person. And you know what? As a coach, when you take the time to understand somebody as a person, forget being a ball player, but as a person, then as, a, as an athlete, you're going to want to have that guy work with you. So that's where the human side, the human element to me is so important. And that's where treating people respectfully, treating people positively, being even keeled as a coach is important. All right, 913-3810-810. How do you coach the mental side of sports? Give me a call. Let's see what Eric has to say. Eric, good morning, sir. How are you? Hey, doctor. How you doing? It's been a while since I've uh, uh, called in, but I listen to you every Sunday. And, and those coaches that don't like you around, they know you're right. That's why they don't want you uh, coming in there and talking to their players because they know you're right and they're wrong. But um, Well, that's, I, that's an interesting statement, Eric, because I happen to agree with you on that. But that's a whole, yeah, that's and, a whole uh, other show I, we can I, get into. I used to be a coach. Um, for, um, I was a coach for my niece's uh, machine pitch league. I don't coach anymore because my hours of my work, I work nights a lot now. But um, 
when I was coaching her team, um, I, I would always tell them, that I've got a 24-hour rule. I said, after the game, you have until midnight to think about the game and what you did. And then when we go to practice, I want you to forget about that. And we're going to think about the next game. And we're going to work on maybe what you, what you can improve on. And every, and every game, those players got better. And they, they didn't think about what they did. They just thought about what we went over. And, and, and afterwards, they always came up to me and said, thank you, Coach Eric. And they appreciated it. And this one, this one mother said her dad tried to teach her. And I said, I said, ma'am, I said, I always have this rule. I said, never, ever teach your kids how to play. You will be disappointed by them. Have somebody else teach them how to play. Well, and, and, I, and that was that was my rule, and and they, and and then it started getting more about winning, just like that one caller said. And plus, my hours working, and I just said, I'm I'm not going to put up with it. And plus, my hours working. So, but I I had to calm down a parent one time. She was yelling at the umpire, and I said, I said, hey, just calm down. He's doing just fine. And uh, she said, you're not getting mad. I said, no, he's calling it just. The way he sees it, and it, and we'll end up winning if we don't. Well, it's not the end of the world. It's not all about winning. It's about them having fun and what they learn in the game to improve themselves. Eric, you've got it. You've got it 100% right, my friend. Thank you so much for calling in. That's a that's a great great point you're bringing up, and that is what it is. It's about the experience, not about the results. I want to thank him for calling in. He he just dropped off there. So, you know, if if we look at this topic the mental side of sports and you try to measure it you can't you can't measure you know people say well I'm twice as positive today as I was yesterday well how can you measure that it's a feeling well I feel a lot more positive twice as positive not necessarily but I feel a lot better but how did you get somebody to be better how do you get someone to be more positive that's where coaching comes in. That's where you as a coach have a job. And I've always said this, a good coach is a good psychologist, a bad coach needs a sports psychologist. And I've met a lot of bad coaches in my day. And I've met a heck of a lot of great coaches. Met a lot of great coaches. And, and look, every coach is going to have somebody who doesn't like them, just the way it is. But I think the really successful coaches are the ones who are honest, they're straightforward. They're not negative people, they're realistic people. They will be supportive and encouraging, but when an athlete or a team is not doing well, they'll be straightforward with it about why they're not. But everybody has to be dealt with in a different way, and that's why as a coach you have to understand the psychological component. It's not about the X's and O's totally, especially with kids. And I think one of the disservices we do to young people today is that a lot of people start coaching for great reasons. Well, they need a, need a coach. Nobody, uh, There's nobody that will coach them. I played baseball. I played softball. I played volleyball. I'll do it. And that's wonderful that you do that. But what do you know about confidence? What do you know about an athlete who's down? You know, you have so many people who will be great athletes, but they will not coach. And I've talked to many of them. I've talked to many Major League Baseball players, some great players, Hall of Fame players, 
And they've told me, Doc, there's no way in the world I will ever want to coach at the major league level. And I said, why? And they said, because I was always the best player. I don't know what it's like to sit at the end of the bench. I don't know what it's like to not play. And I don't know what to tell those guys. Because that was never me. Now, I'll coach young people and tell them how to get successful, but I don't want to coach at the professional level because that wasn't me. And it's interesting when you look at a lot of the great coaches. They weren't always the big stars. You know, Ted Williams, for example, probably the greatest hitter of all time, totally failed as a manager when he was with the Washington Senators and Texas Rangers. He was terrible because he didn't, he didn't understand what it was like to sit at the end of the bench. Some of the best managers... You look at a guy like Joe Madden or Tony LaRusse or Joe Torre, guys like that. They weren't the stars of their teams. Because they were reserves, they're part-time players, they, they start sometimes. But they got it. They got what it was like to sit at the end of the bench and to not play. They, and, and that's why I think those guys have been successful because they see it from both sides. All right, 913-3810-810 is our number. I want to hear from you. If you are a coach... How do you coach the psychological perspective of your sport? What do you do to help your athletes deal with their mindsets? Or do you just ignore it and not deal with it? You know, I like to say, as I said earlier in the show, UDF, two athletes are physically the same. The one with a stronger mind will come out on top. And having a stronger mind, to me, means being ready to deal with all these situations and being even-keeled emotionally. All right, let's get some calls here. 913-3810-810. Let's see what our good friend MW has to say. What's up, my friend? How are you today? Well, I'm, uh, I was, I talked to your producer there that, uh, it's, uh, I just don't understand why we are, we've lost 12 in a row to the Rangers of all teams. And, and that's kind of like a mental thing, but I agree with you. I really do like Coons. Rusty Coons is a wonderful human being as well as being a great coach. And, uh, this is kind of, I mean, there's got to be some kind of a psychological barrier for the Royals for coming for this. Uh, but, it, I mean, it's enough to make a person really get a, almost upset. But uh, I know it is just a game, but doggone, we got to beat these Rangers at least uh, this game because we have a shot at the playoffs this year, and I'm hoping that we can uh, uh, right the ship. Uh, one thing about baseball, though, it's a long, long season. We're still in. About mid-July, so I guess there's still a few more months to go, and I hope that uh, uh, that Yost can can uh, keep it all together and and uh, not not get too excited and too down because there is a lot of a lot of year left to be played. Well, if you've watched the Royals play this year, MW, as I know you do every game, you know they started off terribly. They they were the hottest team in baseball in June. Now they've lost what five in a row, but it it, it it's 162 games, and and I'm telling you, I don't think. Baseball teams look at, oh, my gosh, we're terrible. We've lost to the Rangers 12 games in a row. I look at it, you know, they'll be aware of that, but that's not in their mind when they're playing, how they've beaten us 12 in a row. It's like, what do we need to do to win this game? Having worked with the Royals, not now, but for many, many years, and worked with Major League Baseball players basically almost my entire career, most of them don't think that way. That's why they're Major League players. It's mostly the fans who think like that. And, yeah, of course, and of course, I'm today, aware of your history with the Royals. And of course, today, MW, excuse me. The other thing is this: you know, there there is a statistic for everything now with baseball. I mean, it is the most analyzed sport there is from a statistical perspective. I I saw something the other day, some stat. I was like, where do they come up with this? 
I was at the game Friday night, and uh, Solaire was up to bat, and there was some stat they had on him about first pitch, swinging at first pitch. I'm like, who spends time of analyzing all these things? It's amazing to me how that, you know, it is so overly looked at from a statistical perspective. And not, not that that's bad because you want to hear all these things, but I think the fans get more caught up with how many games you've won or lost or who you've won or lost to more so than the players do. And I understand why you're feeling that way. Yeah, the baseball is definitely a statistically driven sport. There's no doubt about that. And I think that over they overanalyze just about everything anymore, I guess because of the uh, the overabundance of computers and all the different kind of things. Man, there's a statistic for just about everything that everyone does. And like you said, every pitch, you know, it's just it's almost crazy, a little bit overanalyzed. But uh, Rusty Koontz and uh, Ned Yost, I think that they'll get the Royals to settle down and we might start. I'd just like to see them beat those uh, Rangers today because that, that's... Well, you like... MW, now, come on. You want to see them beat everybody. Oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> come on now. All right, listen, my friend. Thanks for calling in. It's always well, it's good my hearing my pleasure, you. Dr. Jacob. You have a good one. You too. Take care. Yeah, MW is, is probably one of the biggest Royals fans in town. He wants to see him win every game, as most people do. All right, 913... 3, 8, 10, and 8, 10 is our number. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Our topic is how do you coach the mental side of sports? want to hear from you. Give me a call. If you're a coach, how do you coach psychology? How do you coach attitude? 913-3810-810 is the number. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, and we're on the leader in sports, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Good morning, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I'm here every Sunday morning from 7 to 8 a.m. here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. And today we've talked about the mental side of sports and how important it is. Obviously, as a sports psychologist for 36 years, I've been doing this about as long as anybody in the country. It's what I deal with and it's what I work with people on. And to me, as I've shared earlier in the show, you can have two athletes who are physically the same, but the one with the stronger mind will be the one who come out on top. You can't measure mentalities. You can't measure attitudes, but you can teach people and work with people how to handle it. And I think one of the key things as a coach is you need to spend time with your teams. You need to spend time with your athletes and have a session, have a coaching session where you don't have any balls or bats or anything athletically to do. You just sit and talk. You may find how much you can learn from that session with your kids. As I said, I'm here every Sunday morning from 7, 8 a.m. If you want to get a hold of me, Dr. Andrew Jacobs, you can get a hold of me several ways. Check out my website, which is winnersunlimited.com. You can send me an email at drj at winnersunlimited.com. You can follow me on Twitter at, at drjsportspsych, at drjsportpsych. You can get a hold of me at my office at 816-561-5556. Our shows are podcasted here on the station and on my website, winnersunlimited.com. Hope you've enjoyed our topic this morning. Get a hold of me with any questions or comments or topics you'd like me to talk about in the future. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, and we're in the leader in sports, Sports Radio 10, WHB.